We've had a wonderful day thus far, a wonderful day. I want to leave you with some uh, scripture this afternoon, and I want to talk to you about a passage of scripture that's found in Psalm 126, verse number 5 and verse number 6. Passages say, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Raise your hand if you've heard the song, Bringing in the Sheaves. Because one thing that amazes me is a lot of our younger folks, we've not sung that song in years, etc., may not even know what a sheave is. But a sheave is essentially when you're going to harvest wheat and they're bundling up the wheat, etc. It's a sheave of wheat, okay? It's harvest time. And so what this basically is saying is you sow in tears, you'll reap in joy. Reaping is harvest time. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. He's going to bring in the harvest when it's all said and done. So I want to talk to you about four more principles. Yesterday we talked about four principles of repentance. Take responsibility for what you do. Regret what it is that you've done if it was wrong. Resolve never to do it again. And repair or restore uh, those relationships are broken things and uh, that need to be corrected. Things that have been done wrong, we make an effort to make them right. Okay, today I've got four principles and they're called going, weeping, sowing, and reaping. And I want to talk to you about those four things. You know, it wasn't that long ago, Lisa and I and our girls decided we wanted to have a garden. I don't know about you all, but I love stuff out of the garden. My favorite thing out of the garden is fresh homegrown tomatoes. I mean, you can't get any better than fresh homegrown tomatoes. I can eat them like apples. I mean, you'd wash them up and eat the entire tomato type thing. Did I say apples? Fresh homegrown tomatoes is what I like out of a garden. And I can eat them like apples and absolutely wonderful. I like cucumbers. Y'all like cucumbers and vinegar? I love cucumbers and vinegar chill, but yet the cucumbers are still crispy, fresh out of the garden type thing. Absolutely fantastic. There's some things I don't like out of a garden. I don't want onions. Absolutely don't want onions. They're raw onions especially. And I, I will do cooked onions on liver and onions, you know what I mean? That's fantastic. But raw onions out of a garden? No. Fresh tomatoes? Yes. We all like harvest time, don't we? Harvest time's a good time. Now, a lot of times I think we fail to recognize about what harvest is. In our life, what are we talking about in harvest for a Christian? Going to heaven? Wouldn't that be harvest time? I mean, that'd be success at the very end. That'd be the good stuff that's waiting at the very end. That'd be harvest time. What about growing up and being the kind of adults that we need to be and living a blessed life? You know, understanding maybe having a good marriage, that we're married to a good spouse, a husband or wife, whatever the situation would be, um, and that we've got children that are being raised. In that harvest time, I mean, that's the good stuff. That's at the end. Uh, Lisa and I are at the age where grandchildren, that's harvest time. You know, I mean, that's we're really enjoying the phase of life that we're at. We're, we're enjoying harvest time in a lot of ways. But you know how you get to harvest time? We all like the good stuff. We all like harvest. We all like the reward at the end. But do you know how you get there? And there's three principles before you get there that we're going to talk about this morning. Number one, first, you have to go. This verse is talking about the process of 
sowing seed, you have to go. And, you know, if I took that same illustration of the of the garden and Lisa and I wanted fresh tomatoes and we wanted fresh cucumbers, etc., what would I have to do first? What if I just sat in my living room and said, man, I'd love fresh tomatoes. As I flipped the channel to the next channel. And I never went out there and did anything about it. If I never planted a garden, if I never went, if I never put one foot in front of another and started tilling the soil and that kind of thing, I'd never have fresh grown tomatoes, would I? It just can't happen. You can't have our harvest without first the importance of going. I want you to notice the passages of Scripture that talk about going. Mark 16, 15 and 16. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. You know, when we talk about this passage, what's harvest in this passage? A soul converted into Christ. Baptized into Christ. Isn't that harvest time? I mean, when we're sitting out as an audience, or maybe we rise to our feet, and there's some individual, a young man, young lady, or maybe a young couple in our congregation recently, we've had a few of those instances that are just powerful instances for a congregation. When somebody obeys the gospel, they're standing in the baptistry with a preacher, upon the confession of your faith, upon your obedience to the gospel of Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost for the remission of your sins. That's harvest time. But do you know how we get to harvest time? We have to go. The very first thing we've got to do is we've got to put one foot in front of another and accomplish what needs to be accomplished. We'll talk about some of those other things here in a moment, but we can't do it without going. Proverbs 26 and verse number 13, the slothful man says there's a lion in the way. A lion is in the street. You know what this proverb means? This proverb is saying that the lazy man sits around and goes, there's a million reasons why I'm not going. There could be a lion out there somewhere. I can't, I can't leave because there's a lion out there. How many of us church-wise can figure out a million reasons why not to do what it is we know we need to do? We can't expect harvest at the end if we don't go. We have to go first. We have to accomplish. So laziness is not a solution to, in, to getting a harvest. If you think you can get a harvest with laziness, it won't work. Isaiah 6, here am I, send me. We have to go and have to be willing to do that. First Timothy chapter 4 or 2 and verse number 4 tells us our second principle, and that's the principle of weeping. And here's the simple message I want to get to you with the concept of weeping, and that is that you care about it enough that it touches you to the core. It touches your heart. How long has it been since something touched you? How long has it been since a sermon touched you? How long has it been since... Uh, somebody's pain and suffering touched you? How, how long has it been since works maybe in foreign countries and things like that and you see the, the struggle and travail of those individuals? How long has it been since you were touched? How long has it been since you were emotionally connected to what it was you were trying to do? Well, that's a part of the process to get a reward is caring enough about it. Back to my garden analogy, Lisa and I plant a garden, and the first thing we got to do is go. But the second thing we got to do is we got to care about what it is we're doing. we got to care enough about it to ultimately get it accomplished. What if we didn't care about it? What if I really wanted tomatoes, but we just kind of went, we're just going to sow tomato seeds just anywhere, out in the weeds, wherever. We just don't care. I can tell you that a lot of people go through life that way. They just don't care. And I tell you what, I preach some meetings in some places. I hate to say this, but I preach some meetings in some places where you could set a bomb off in the room and I don't think the congregation would know it. I'm telling you, it's dead. They're, the group is dead. There's no life in it whatsoever. They lost it years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. They've lost it. And I tell you, I don't want that in your life. You, you ought to care about what it is you're doing. 
That's a weeping principle. I do remember when Lisa and I planted that garden, though, we went out there and we tilled the soil. We wanted that soil to be, I say perfect, but correct for it to take seed and for it seed to be able to germinate. You want the temperature to be right. I can't control God's temperature in that, but you might care enough about when to plant to make sure that you're planting at a time or a season that that is enough that you're going to get the right temperature in the soils and enough moisture, things like that. you got to care about what it is you're doing. You just can't go through life and not care. I remember we got some blisters on our hands and my muscles ached the next morning. There was some weeping going on in the process of putting that garden in. And I'll tell you some things. If you're really going to go out and touch the world for Christ to be a light in a community in a city that is set on a hill that cannot be broken or whatever the rhythm pattern is... Well, I can tell you what you're going to have to do is there's going to be some weeping involved. There's going to be some work involved. I think about the other night, Yancey had all of us over to his house to build those pillars and put the stenciling and labeling and painting and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, it's real easy to sit back and wonder how that stuff happens. But I can tell you how that stuff happens. There's somebody working. There's somebody doing it. Because if you don't go and actually do it and care about what it is you're doing, you won't accomplish it when it's said and done. There's some weeping. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? Are you concerned about all men being saved and coming to the knowledge of the truth? Does that touch your heart? Let me tell you what we talk about sometimes in these foreign works. I've been to Nigeria. I've not been to India and some of these other places. But I've been to Nigeria and, and we compare stories sometimes with with stories of work in India and stories of work in Belize and and other foreign works that happen. And you know what's touching in some ways is you can come back and you can say, there's a guy over there that's got a hernia and he needs medical care and there will will be people in America that will send checks to help that guy with a hernia. But you know, there's tons of people over there that are dying and going to hell that don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we struggle to get money to be sent to them. We, we're interested in caring about their physical suffering. Oh, this guy's hurting. Let's let's ease his suffering. Or, oh, this, this person has a, a malformality or a, 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 a malformation or whatever. Some sort of a problem that could be surgically corrected or whatever. Let's send money and let's help those people. Because we care. Our hearts get touched to those things. But there's folks over there that need the gospel. They need salvation. And our hearts haven't been touched to that. Our hearts are hardened to that. It's just like, well, you know, whatever. I'm telling you, that's where weeping comes in. How long has it been since you were touched that somebody knew the gospel? That somebody knew the truth? Nehemiah looked over Jerusalem and he wept when he saw the state of his nation. Do you remember the story of Esther? Do you remember Mordecai and Esther chapter 4 and verse number 1? They'd gotten word. Haman had put forth a decree and ultimately had King Ahasuerus' stamp that said that, that he was going to destroy all the Jews. And Mordecai was a Jew. And what, the phrase that was used here was he perceived all that was done. Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out in the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. You know what sackcloth and ashes was? That's like funeral clothes. He was mourning over the fact that there was a decree to destroy his people. He was touched by the fact he did not want his people destroyed. How long has it been since you've been touched by the fact that the gospel needed to be preached? 
I know I'm speaking to the choir here. To some degree or another, you're touched or you wouldn't be here today or this week and all that. I just want to remind us that a part of this process is weeping and caring about what it is that we're doing. And I tell you, I know in the case of Lisa and I, we've got kids and those kids are out on their own. They're living their own lives and they have kids. We've got grandkids and all that sort of stuff. Do you know if something goes wrong with them? Somebody's got a health problem or something along those lines. You know what Lisa and I do? We weep. We're saddened. Our heart is touched to the fact that our kids may be suffering or hurting or something along those lines. Are we that kind of hurt? Are we that kind of touched when it comes to people's spiritual needs that they really are touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ? The third principle is sowing. I wanted to talk to you about going, weeping, sowing, and reaping. And here's the point. Lisa, back to my analogy of the garden. Lisa and I go out and we till the soil and we put one foot in front of another. We get out of bed in the morning. So we go, we till the soil, we get everything prepped. And then I go back in there and I sit in my lazy boy recliner and I turn on the television set and I'd never get seed in the ground. I'm not going to have a harvest, am I? I could do all that prep and I can really care. I, I don't know how much I'd really care if I just sat there and never got my seed in the ground. But, you know, boy, it'd be great if I had tomatoes. Boy, it'd be great. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had some cucumbers and that kind of thing? But I never put seed in the ground. Why would I be expecting a harvest if I never went and sowed seed? Sowing is a part of the process. We've got to touch the lives of people. And my point is, is that when we meet people in the grocery store, we meet people at Sonic, and we meet people in the street, etc., we have to take those opportunities. Sorry, that'll dry. We have to take those opportunities... And, and share. We have to sow seed. And I tell you, all of us are sowing seed. You know, if I went to this young lady right here and I go, you're a worthless human being. I cannot believe you're in the face of the earth. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm sowing seed. Now, I don't feel that way, by the way. But I'm sowing seed. What kind of seed am I sowing? Well, I can tell you what. I'm sowing the kind of seed that I'm expecting a reward from. Except it wouldn't really be a reward. But I'd end up with a consequence that, wouldn't I? But what if I say to her, you are a fine young lady, you're intelligent, you've got the ability, you've got a character of Christ, you, you exemplify great integrity, and what am I doing? I'm sowing seed. And what kind of reward am I expecting from that kind of seed? That type of reward. I want good things for you guys. All of you, young men, young ladies, want good things for you. we got to sow seed. You've got to sow seed. And we have to touch people for the lives, of, uh, for the purpose of Christ. Let me go back to Matthew 13, verse number 3. A sower went forth what? To sow. That's what a sower does, is he sows seed. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, your God's husbandry, your God's building. We labor together. You know what we do as Christians? We plant and water. God gives the increase. You ever thought about the power that's in a seed? Think about it for just a moment. The power in a little bitty seed. When I was growing up, uh, and I was a young man, we used to go to church uh, at a congregation that we called Mont Bellevue or Barber's Hill. Some of y'all may have been to that building. And I remember Jay Henderson, Marlon Cole, came and held meetings in this building in Barber's Hill. Well, they had a big explosion in town. And they, the entire, entire town, including that church building, got bought out. So they moved. They took the same plans of that building, and they moved. They went across town, 
and they built another building identical to that other building. And they mowed that building down, nothing but the foundation there, concrete down. And years later, we'd drive by there because there was a cemetery out back. Some of Lisa's family is buried in that cemetery behind that old Mont Bellevue location. And that cemetery is still there. They didn't need to relocate the cemetery because the town had an explosion. So that cemetery is still there. And we drive into that old church parking lot. And there's that old church foundation. And you know what's coming up through the concrete? A tree. It's moved the concrete. It's moved the foundation. That foundation's out there in the weather. The weather's deteriorated it, that kind of thing. You know how that tree got there? started with a seed. A little seed that landed in a crack in the concrete, water got in it, and dirt and dust got in it, etc. And it started sprouting roots, and it started bringing up the apical meristem to bring your biology back to you. And, and, and it started shooting up the top side and the, and the bottom side, and pretty soon it got bigger, and it started busting concrete out. You know faith? If you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I tell you, you'd move concrete, you'd move this house, you'd move this building with a tree. And it starts with a seed. That's the power that's in a seed. What, what's in a seed? What is it that's powerful in a seed? I was visiting with Craig Roundsville one day over at Princeton, and he's an ag teacher. And, and I said, uh, he said that he was discussing with his ag kids about seeds and what happens in a seed and all that. And I said, I'm curious to know what does happen in a seed. You know, what is the power in a seed? He said, well, temperature and... You know, and, and uh, humidity, the moisture content, and all that sort of stuff. That's what makes a seed do what a seed does. And then he stopped a moment. He thought I was giving him a trick question. And he said, a God. But you know, really, I wasn't trying to trick him. But he really did have the right answer at the end, didn't he? God does what God does in a seed. We plant, we water. God does what God does with the seed. And we need to recognize that when we're sowing the seed of the gospel, you know what we're doing? We're planting and watering is what we're doing. God does what God does with a seed. We just need to sow seed and let God do what God does with a seed. That's sowing. We labor together with God. I want to talk to you about a few principles of sowing and reaping very quickly. And one of those is the law of large numbers. If, you have, if I go out and I plant one seed, what am I expecting? Not much harvest. But if I go out and plant a lot of seed, I'm expecting a harvest. Those farmers up in Plainview don't go out on 3,000 acres and put one seed in the ground and go, Woo! can't wait on the harvest. I mean, this is going to be fantastic. It's a law of large numbers. Insurance companies recognize the power of large numbers. Statistical measurements understand the power of large numbers. If we were going to get a statistical measurement of people's feelings about a particular subject, you've got to have a large enough sample to be able to take those statistics in and make those statistics reliable. It's the law of large numbers. My dad, when I was a little kid... We were weekend farmers. My dad had owned like 30 acres and leased another 50 acres. And we ran cows on it and stuff on the weekend, ran up, you know, to, just for, I think, for fun. I think in my dad's case, he had four boys. I think his deal was is we're going to do something that will keep four boys busy, I think was what my dad was thinking. My dad planted 50 pounds of potatoes when I was a kid. And harvest time came. And he was on the tractor and the four boys were behind him picking up potatoes. When it came time to plow potatoes... And we picked up 1,300 pounds of potatoes off of 50 pounds of potatoes. 
He turned 50 pounds of potatoes into 13. Again, I think he planted potatoes because four boys need lots of starches. And let's, let's throw potatoes out on the table. But I'm telling you guys, we had potatoes under the beds. We had potatoes in the garage. We were giving potatoes to everybody at church. We had 1,300 pounds of potatoes. That's more than four boys could eat. You know what he did the next year? He wanted to plant 100 pounds of potatoes. This man has lost his mind. This is insane. You know what he was hoping for? 2,600 pounds of potatoes. That's what he's hoping for. Law of large numbers. Now, all four of us boys went to praying. And we got a very rainy year and had some crop failure happen that year. And it was a blessing to the four boys. But Dad was planning on 2,600 pounds of potatoes. Because he understood the principle of large numbers. He didn't go out and plant one potato in the ground and expect to feed boys. Right? And we've got to sow seed. We've got to, we've got to make a difference and make an impact in the world around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and 6, we talked about yesterday. He was so sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. He was so bountifully, shall reap also bountifully. You know, we've got another principle involved in sowing and reaping, and that is you have to sow before you reap. And I know that sounds pretty elementary, but you have to sow before you reap. Now, in our society that we live in, I'll tell you, honestly, people don't get that. Because we want to take a plastic credit card and go buy everything. Young married couples want to go buy everything they can buy in the store. Let's fill up an entire house full of furniture and dining room table. And let's just charge it all at 22% interest. You know what we're doing? We're trying to get the harvest before the sowing. We don't recognize the hard work that goes into it. We're trying to get the reward without the labor side. I tell you, young ladies that are pregnant outside of marriage or young gentlemen that are having sexual relations outside of marriage, you know what they're doing? They're trying to get the reward without the hard work, without the labor involved. We get stuff out of, we get the cart before the horse a lot of times in our society. We're trying to reap without Sowing. We're trying to gain the, the, the reward of something without recognizing the responsibility and the labor and all those things that go into those things. We've got to be careful of that. Genesis 8.22, the only reason why I've got this passage here, it says there's a time and a season for everything. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And then the next thing I want you to notice is you're going to reap what you sow. I talked to you a minute ago about I'm sowing seed in the young lady going, you're worthless. You know what I'm going to reap? Exactly what I sowed. If I say, you've got great character and integrity and you're a fine, young, very intelligent, guess what I'm going to reap? Exactly what I sowed. If Lisa and I planted a garden, how do I get tomatoes? I have to plant tomatoes. I have to plant tomato seeds or tomato plants. How do I get cucumbers? I plant cucumbers. There's a lot of people go through life think, well, I'll just sow my wild oats while I'm young. You know what you'll get? You're going to get the reward, quote-unquote, or the, or the harvest of wild oats is what you're going to get. And with that comes a lot of consequences. Going, weeping, sowing, and reaping. I want to talk to you about this last principle, and that is harvest time. And that's a great time. Man, that's a fantastic time. I think about that. I think that's when somebody's baptized into Christ. That's when, when a... Little old lady has died and gone to heaven. Uh, I mean, it's just harvest time. Those are the good times that somebody has gotten the reward for their labor. They have put in the going and the, the weeping and the sowing, etc. It's now harvest time. That's when Lisa and I go out there and those tomatoes have turned red on the vine. 
the cucumbers have gotten large enough that they're, they're going to be able to be sliced up and put into vinegar. That's harvest time. We love harvest time. And I want to tell you, the Bible talks about harvest time. Matthew chapter 9 says, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And he said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his vineyard. You know the problem we've got, spiritually speaking, is not the harvest. There's a harvest. And Jesus promised a harvest. You know where our challenge is, where our problem is? is in the labors. It's people being willing to go and weep and sow. That's where the problem is. The problem's not in the harvest because we plant and water, God gives the increase. But I think sometimes we don't have faith that God will do what God does with a seed. And we need to have that kind of faith that God will, God's the power that's in the seed. God's the power that's in the Word of God. God's the power behind it. Let's let Him do what He does with His job and let you and I do what we can do with our job, and that is water and plant. Let's go and let's care about it and let's sow. Let's do our part of it and let God have the increase. May God bless you. And may his countenance shine down upon every one of you. I pray that his love, his mercy, his grace would be known by every one of you here today. Uh, May God bless you in your Christian walk, in your efforts. And may there be a great harvest for all of us as we see these years unfold ahead of us. And especially in the lives of these young people. That great blessing would come into your life because you're not lazy. You're going to go. Um, you do care about what you're doing. You're not sitting around with an I don't care attitude. You do care. That's the weeping side. And we're going to go out there and we're going to touch the lives of people. We're going to sow seed. And it's going to be good seed. And we're going to expect harvest off that seed and let God do with it what he can do with it. And our lives will be blessed for it. May God bless you. Brother Yancey.